Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How much money do you think you need to have to be able to happily turn down a $50 million Facebook deal? Exactly. What's up guys welcome back to the watch time podcast today we are going deep on the updates on the dr disrespect situation the interviews he did and what it means for the streaming platforms and then we're going to be doing a big deep dive into what creators we think have the most potential long term if we could invest in a creator today who are the people that we think are going to be there in five to ten years i'm super excited to get into it talking about x factor and which talent have it and which talent don't but firstly elliot how was your week uh it was good it was good i'm trying to think what i've actually got done this week i feel like actually not that much i've just been uh we had the the cars update for Fortnite. it was supposed to be the cars update and that didn't come so i basically i spent all of yesterday sitting around waiting for an update that i thought i was going to be able to make a ton of epic content on and and then and then nothing happened epic loves to tease classic Fortnite. classic classic Fortnite. epic 2020 genuinely <laughs> genuinely yeah how about you um my week has been bloody hectic we had a bunch of campaigns going on um obviously i couldn't talk about it last week but ea released rocket arena which we did a heap of work on we've had a couple of big projects in the works which is exciting but um definitely takes it out of you a little bit but keen keen to be back here but elliot tell me your thoughts dr disrespect has spoken guys breaking news yeah it's so, been a couple weeks since we heard i feel like it's been last. like four weeks i don't know like i i just like yeah i genuinely don't know it's been like four weeks i feel like time, time has just is standing been... still in quarantine yeah but also time is standing still in my mentality of wanting to know what the hell happened with dr disrespect i'm not i used... google it every morning every morning i wake up and i search dr disrespect on twitter and see what the latest updates are and the latest <laughs> updates are almost always we don't know anything new um, but what he did do a few days ago now is he basically went on this, like, and it was weird. I've got so many questions about this, and I think we're going to go into what it means and some of the big outcomes that came from it. But it was weird because he basically went out and did this huge media blitz. He did this thing where he was, like, doing interviews with all these major outlets, and he released, like, a music video, sort of, where it was just kind of him doing his, like, classic style of music, uh, just, like, staring into nothing uh but but then yeah he did this huge media blitz where he went and did interviews with like article after article after article and publication after publication and publication and he had his like publicist there with him clearly who was like vetting questions and basically said nothing but yeah, yeah that, nothing. this is the weird thing he went and did interviews and obviously oh my god dr disrespect is going doing interviews with everyone he's going to be coming out and spilling the tea he's going to be like twitch really fucked me over and this is how they did it or this is like this is exactly why i'm innocent or this is what i'm accused of and this is why they're liars i have the receipts this he is my next move he basically went and did interviews and was just like yeah um so i've been really enjoying uh some time off streaming and they're like oh so like why were you banned and they're like don't wanna 
can't really get into it you know like i was like but but you know what i i noticed is so interesting is that so whenever the question came up about uh you know why we banned why aren't you streaming whatever's going on there it was always dodged he would he would literally always dodge he'd be like i can't answer that or his public or his publicist would intervene or he'd cite that his lawyer said not, not to talk, talk about, about it. it but interestingly he would always say because you know when he when he first got banned he put out that tweet being like Twitch has not given me the official reason for banning me. But you can very much tell in these interviews, he knows why he's been banned. He, he dodges it and he says, look, I'm still not 100% certain or this or that or that. He definitely knows. And because if he didn't, it would be an absolute outrage and he'd be blowing Twitch up. But it's, it's clearly still something that he's trying to avoid, which makes all these interviews so interesting because he didn't come out and say, okay, Twitch has banned me. I'm now going to go stream on YouTube as of today. Like he didn't use it as a, as a kick on to launch into his new streaming career on a new platform. He didn't use it to clear the air about anything that's going on. He didn't use it to spill the tea. He didn't use it to send a message to his grandma. He didn't use it to do anything. He just, he, it agree. was like, it was like, it was like a really mundane coffee catch up with a mm -hmm. friend, but where your friend is like, don't ask me about my life where I'm, I just want you to see me. I just wanted to see you, but like, don't ask me anything. I totally agree. I think it was completely bizarre and I found it on the whole very weird. Usually when you do like a PR run or you take a bunch of interviews, you're usually doing it with the intention of something, whether that's like pushing a certain narrative, announcing that you're going to do something. Most people don't just do an interview for the sake of doing an interview. Like, even if it feels like it, there's probably an underlying narrative weaved in there somewhere. And I am still not exactly sure what the purpose of all of these interviews were. And I don't even think it made him come off in a great light, to be honest. For me, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Inevitably, these questions were going to come up as to why he thought he was banned. And the interview answer that I found particularly interesting was one where they mentioned the fact that there's obviously been a resurgence of the Me Too movement in the gaming industry. There's been a number of streamers that have come under attack um, for potentially sexually predatory behavior or taking advantage of people. And they asked if they thought that he had anything that his ban had anything to do with that and his um his publicist jumped in very very quickly and was basically just like all we can say is twitch hasn't given us a reason as to why he was banned they haven't told us why he was banned and that's all our legal team is going to approve us to say and i was like that's a bit bloody weird to me you would think for me, if I was someone and I had never given anyone any reason to think that I would behave in a sexually predatory way, I would be very confident saying that. If someone asked or suggested that that could be a reason why I had suffered a major consequence from literally the provider of my job, basically, I'd be saying, look, Twitch hasn't told me why I was banned, but to the best of my knowledge, I've never given anyone any reason to think that. But he didn't say that he fully dodged it yeah fully dodged it and let his publicist cut in which just it just doesn't look good for me i found it very very weird it rubbed me the wrong way i don't know about it but okay i'll tell you what the, the one interesting thing that did come out of it i mean oh, oh actually wait before i go into that 
I will say that something has absolutely happened. He's absolutely done something that is, or at least there are very, I would say, and they must be very solid accusations for all of these things to happen. Something has definitely happened for not only Twitch to drop him, but like we discussed last week or the week before, his management company dropping him as well. I mm -hmm. think that is that is huge. That is key. Your That's management, huge. Your management does not drop you, especially if you're a huge client like he is, without a very specific reason um mm -mm. so and and also yeah once again the way he's answering the questions are very much like he is saying that yes twitch has not specifically outlined to me in an email exactly yep. the reason for their action but he's mm -hmm. also not saying i have no idea why i was banned it's completely a mystery to me and if exactly. he didn't and if he didn't know and he did get randomly banned like think about it, if any creator got randomly banned off youtube and, and never had anything said about it they would be going off they would be literally you'd be like, wanting to find out they would be real like, you, quick you would be tweeting every hour of every day how can you do this like what is like how can a platform function this way you need to give yeah. accountability anyway he long knows story short, what he did wrong he knows what he did wrong and they're not pushing he, the issue with twitch because he knows what they he, don't want an answer because then they can't run the narrative that twitch hasn't told them why he was banned that's what i believe well, also, I'm sure I reckon Twitch has also got their own legal reasons for not wanting to message him saying that this is the reason we banned you. Because say in like a one in a million case where, where you know, there was like an accusation that he, that he committed some kind of crime and Twitch was like, we banned him for that. And they tell him we banned you for this. But then uh, he somehow manages to like prove that that didn't happen. Then Twitch could somehow be liable for, you know, something so yeah. I'm, I, I reckon twitch is just like hey look like as long as we don't say anything it's our platform and they ultimately have the final discretion so if they don't say anything they're kind of in the clear that's what i'm guessing is happening on twitch's end but yeah um but the interesting thing that did come out of it uh because i mean if anything this interview just really honed in on the fact that something's up and i i just i once again don't understand why he did the damn interview um but uh but is that he he did say uh is there was there was a question and it said uh that the person asked him it seems crazy to me that uh twitch would ban one of its most famous popular streamers and then not even tell them what they did wrong uh he said yeah it's kind of mind-blowing to think about obviously for legal counsel i have to be careful here but i can say however that i will not be returning to twitch so i mean that's it so it sounds like no matter what happens no matter what the outcome is here whether or not this stuff stays private forever and it never leaks or whether uh you know he you know is proven something that happened or whether he's proven innocent doesn't matter he will not be going back to twitch and i think this is something that i'm super interested to dive into mm -hmm. because we've talked about in previous weeks uh when mixer shut down that uh twitch really burnt their bridge with uh ninja as well obviously used to be the biggest streamer on the platform uh they yep. lost shroud uh, Dr. Disrespect was probably now, next to like XQC and a couple of other people, the biggest streamer on the platform. And really, if you if you look at Twitch, if you look at a snapshot of Twitch, you know, a year, year and a half ago, right before all the Mixer stuff happened, then their, their biggest streamers were Shroud, Ninja, Dr. Disrespect. And basically in the space of, you know, no time at all, they lost all all of these people, all their biggest, their top three, their top five, roughly. 
And now all those people are actually stuck in this weird limbo where they're looking about where to go next. Now, the one person that could actually go back to Twitch and I doesn't think and I don't think has an issue with them is Shroud. But I think what's super interesting is Doc has now stated he's definitely not going back no matter what. We know for a fact Ninja doesn't really like Twitch after what they did uh when he went to Mixer. Um is that I think there's a lot of like ducks lining up right here for YouTube because Oh yeah. It's no longer it's no longer like a few months ago where it was like, oh, you know, you could negotiate a deal with Twitch or YouTube or Mixer or, you know, like there was a Facebook. lot of like, yeah, there was a lot of like balls up in the air. Um, I, I Yeah. But but now I think that realistically, if Doc and Ninja are looking at places to go, unless they somehow find a way to get over their, their beef with Twitch, which I don't think they will. They really only have the option of YouTube. YouTube is the only platform that can support a creator of their size and actually give them the viewership and the support and the monetization that they're going to need to actually capitalize on what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, really, I think the YouTube team is quietly probably very happy right now. I'm happy for them. I think the guys at YouTube Gaming are awesome. I really like them. I hope to see more competition from them in the future. I think it's great for everyone. Yeah, I think uh, I think realistically, YouTube streaming could be about to, uh, you know, they 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 didn't pay the fifty sixty million for Ninja, but I reckon that they could be about to get two of the biggest streamers in the industry, basically for free. I don't know. They might they might give them some kind of like little sweetheart, but whatever it is, it would be pennies on the dollar of if they were actually trying to buy them out at what the market rate was when they went to something like Mixer. I agree. I think it's amazing how quickly the scene has changed over the last two, 12 months and that just one year ago, the amount of dollars that were flying around to obtain exclusivity over that caliber of creators was so big. And now, you know, in such a short period of time, it's kind of whittled itself down to two main players one of the main players has kind of cut themselves out of a couple of these major creators and YouTube therefore potentially is about to win some of the biggest viewership in gaming without probably needing to pay even a fraction of what they were going to pay a year ago. I'd be really surprised if they weren't, I'd, I'd be, I wouldn't believe that they're not talking to Ninja Shroud maybe the doc depending on whether or not the circumstances are there and what what they know um i think that they will probably be making offers just because for their confidence they want to have the exclusivity and it looks great for them but yeah i think i don't think anyone's going to be getting offered the realm of deals that were being offered by mixer and the other platforms even just a year ago no i agree i, I think it's going to be really really interesting to see where they go and i genuinely just don't know where they're gonna go i think that i think that it's it's gonna be hard because i feel like they've got so much like expectation at this stage where they're gonna you know like they, they've seen the deals going around they know how much money they're making on twitch as much as i think youtube is making really really good like steps forward uh i think that um yeah i, I think as much as youtube is making really really good steps forward they're still they, they still don't quite have the same monetization level. And I think that's the one big issue that they really, really yeah. have to fix is the fact that uh, they, like, you know, Dr. Disrespect, if he goes and he streams on YouTube, he is not going to be making nearly as much money as he was if he was streaming 
on uh on twitch so it's kind of a question of you know number one what does he do can he go into youtube content creation i just don't think that like is in like become like a vod creator primarily because i just don't think that that's his thing he didn't unlike ninja doc's not in a spot and i think this is interesting is that ninja got the 50 60 million dollar bag from mixer he also had a huge time where he was making just obscene amounts of money and was doing ridiculously well and uh and basically could you know make just dumb amounts of money basically he's ninja's probably worth 100 million he's at a point where he could very easily just probably be like you know what? I'm down to just chill. I'm going to go. I might, you know, do the occasional stream on YouTube, but I don't want to be committed to doing 200 hours a month or anything crazy. I just want to like have a bit of fun, make a few videos and enjoy life. Whereas the doc, I think obviously incredibly well off, done some big sponsor deals, but I don't think he's at a point where it's like, okay, I've really like, I hit my peak and now I'm like in my chill part of my career. I think doc was at a real, like, you know, he was still on a very high level and he hadn't yet sold out quote unquote or like cashed in on that so i think he definitely needs a platform where he can continue making a lot of money how much money do you think you need to have it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. To be able to happily turn down a $50 million Facebook deal. Exactly. I, I feel like... Like uh... for Ninja... Like that's, he's turning down a huge amount of money from Facebook. How much, like, this is just like a funny question, but like, how much money do you reckon you need to be happy to just do whatever you want? You need. Not even care about the dollars. Yeah. You need a bit of money. You need like, you need like a bit of money for that. You need, oh my God. How much would it take? How much would it take for you to turn down a $50 million Facebook gaming offer? Oh, I think I'd, I think I'd have to be worth about a hundred million dollars. Like, I mean, I, I, I just think ultimately because it's, it's like it's streaming. Like, uh, you can ultimately like not that streaming's not important, but ultimately you can always. It's not like you're only ever doing content in that one spot. He can still do. You can still do vod content on YouTube. I mean, it, it's just fifty million dollars is such an obscene amount of money. It's obscene that you know. And once again, I I, I, can't I was even conceptualize. I was never primarily a streamer. So I don't a hundred percent know, but, uh, like, so, you know, it's, it's obviously harder. It's like, if I were to be like, oh, do you want to move all your VOD content to a different platform? I, that would be a huge decision for me because I'm primarily yeah. about making videos. Huge. So I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that for a streamer that is slightly different, but, uh, yeah, it's still a bit interesting. You know, like, I don't know, like, it's, it's still like, it's still interesting that $50 million is so dumb. And apparently it could have been even more than that. Uh, and just not jumping on that is just seems insane, insane. to me. Insane. Anyway, time will tell. I hope it's a dub for the YouTube gaming team. Um, and I'm still 
fucking fascinated about what happened to the doc and I want to know. Okay, moving on though. I saw a tweet on Twitter this week that really got me thinking and it got me thinking about a lot of things that are happening in the social media world right now. The tweet was by Jackson Dahl, who is a founding member of the 100 Thieves team. And he tweeted, if you could buy stock in any individual over the next 20 years, who would you choose? And I read this and I was like, I love this question. I think it's brilliant. And especially within our industry, I think it's super, super interesting because we work with a lot of really young people, a lot of very, very talented people, both in the creator scene and the business side of things. And I want to know, Elliot, who you think, if you could buy stock in any individual, someone in our industry, who would it be? So I put a lot of thought into this and it was basically it basically came down to a few interesting points for me i think there's a lot of people in doing youtube and people in this industry obviously who make amazing incredible content and they monetize that content pretty well um you know and i think when, when i think about that i probably think largely about um david dobrik and when i and when i speak here i'm not actually speaking to what they're um, you know, like not, it's not me ruling out their potential to do anything in the future, but it's just what I know and understand about them right now. And when I think amazing content creators, people who make, uh, like incredible stuff, I think about, uh, David. Yeah. I basically think about like people like David Dobrik, you know, they create incredible viral content that just does obscenely well. And, you know, and people just love tens of millions of views over and over and over again. But I don't know if that makes him a creator that I'd want to like buy shares in necessarily and mm-hmm. in, invest in the future of. Because for me, the creators that I find super impressive in that respect are the ones who find ways to really kind of like, you know, they, they don't even like, I ultimately, you know what it comes down to? I think David Dobrik makes the content he makes largely because he really likes making that content. I think he just loves, Mm -hmm. I think he likes being funny. I think he likes being entertaining. I think he likes seeing people enjoy his content. And I think you can see that through almost everything he does. His videos are quite short. They're not really playing to the algorithm. They're definitely not playing to the monetization in the algorithm, given by uh, the kind of content that he includes in it. Um, And obviously, if I'm buying shares in someone, it really does come down to how focused on revenue are they? Because that's what you're buying shares in, not how much you like the person. For me, a creator that, embodies uh you know not saying they don't love the content they make in fact i actually think they really really do but where i i know for a fact from speaking to them and speaking to people about them and and everything uh where they really do take that seriously is someone like mr beast where i know for a fact he he takes every element of youtube incredibly seriously so he's doing everything from uh optimizing his you know kind of like he will upload a video a week before that video is supposed to go live he'll then look through the video and look at the auto captions that youtube places on it if because youtube will misplace auto captions all the time it might accidentally think you swore even if you didn't it might think you talked about something controversial even if you didn't he'll comb through those captions with a team obviously he's probably not the one doing a lot of this he goes through those captions with a team analyzes it identifies where there's issues corrects those issues re-uploads it to make sure that youtube's not doing anything so that there's not even a question on youtube's end that he is uploading absolute a-grade brand safe content 
then he sets the video live and through that he gets some of the craziest cpms on youtube on top of that i think that if you look at him as a business like he is constantly looking for ways and i think you and i know a few people like this who mm -hmm. they don't just see their channel as making videos they're always looking for ways to expand and get bigger whether that's doing their own merch or expanding into other businesses or starting apps or partnerships or pretty much whatever it is i just think mr beast is someone who not only uh when he's looking at the industry he's always looking big he's looking to go like like big big but he's also uh really just trying to like um you know think of, think of ways to expand and also do it intelligently yeah. i think he thinks big with his content i think he thinks big with um you know like i think a big thing that indicates that to me is someone who's willing to hire a team when you're a youtuber yes. it can be very hard to relinquish control but ultimately if you want to grow and you want to get huge you need like literally YouTube channels are basically like TV shows. You need like a producer. You need multiple editors. You need a thumbnail maker who's designing thumbnails. You need that person be designing A, a and B thumbnails that you can then compare and then do trial runs of. You need yes. someone who's combing through your analytics, identifying which parts of videos are, you know, getting the most engagement, which you can then go and like lean on more in the future to get your views up. Mr. Beast embodies every single part of that i think he makes good content i actually don't think his content is i mean purely for me i don't think a lot of his content is actually amazing at least for what i at least relative to a lot of what some people make on youtube you know i think if you were to go and you were to compare the raw quality of like a david dobrik to a mr beast david dobrik is obviously way more minute by minute refined in what ends up in the final product but i think that mm -hmm. mr beast like he 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 runs it and this isn't at all to say he's not passionate about it because he definitely is. He's more passionate than anyone I know on YouTube. Uh, he runs it like a business, which is which yep. is smart. He has fun with it, but he is smart about it. And he builds a team around himself and he's always looking to expand. And he's done that with starting a gaming channel. He's done that with so many things. And I think yep. that he's the kind of person who also has a formula. The formula being I'm doing dumb stuff with dumb money, uh, which has a lot of long-term potential. I think I disagree with you in one place there where you said to make it on YouTube, you need to view it as a business. I actually don't think you need to. I think it is possible to become a very, very successful creator and just purely focus on your content. But in terms of the question, who would I buy stock in over the next 20 years? Yes, I think to buy stock in someone, they need to view it as a business because you can be the most amazing creator in the world, but it's like, how are you going to take that skill to the next level? And you can't scale your creator business without actually building a team around you. And this to me comes back to a conversation or an idea that I have around like X factor and talent that have an X factor. And I think there are multiple different types of X factor. I think some talent have an X factor when it comes purely to content. They are the most created people, creative people. They have a feel for it. They have a way to create content. They have a sense of humor. They have an ability to connect with a broad audience that I think is next level and very, very rare. I, I truly think very few people have this. I feel like I've come across only a handful in my years working in the industry where I'm like, wow, this person truly has an X factor when it comes to creating content. Then I think there are the people that have an X factor when it comes to 
actually making it a business. And for me, there are two categories when it comes to this. There are the creators that are doing YouTube because they purely love the content creation and they're so passionate about what they're creating content in. And then there are the people that are, yes, equally probably passionate about the content, but they're also very passionate about growing something. And I have no doubt that if they weren't doing YouTube, they'd be growing something in another industry. And they're the people that I find really interesting. They're the people that I probably feel that I'd be more gravitated to buy stock in. And I think like you probably fall into that ladder camp, Elliot. Like I think you obviously love content creation. I think you love gaming. You love what you do. But I would also say you're very, very passionate about the business side of YouTube. You're passionate about growing business. And I think that while you've been very successful in what you're doing now, I think you would be able to channel that energy into anything else that you were giving a go. And getting back to the point though, a couple people I would buy equity in, I'd buy equity in you, Elliot. I think, I think like you've got long-term potential. I think I see that in the way that you are a talented content creator, but I also think you're very, very talented at talking to different people in the ecosystem. You can talk to a brand really easily and articulate the value of what you're doing. You can understand what their priorities are and help them get to an outcome that's going to work for them. And you're passionate about building a business as well, both in your own channel and obviously you're invested in Click as well. Which is, um, which is super cool. For me, the other person that immediately jumps to mind is Preston. I mm. speak to Preston and I'm just like- TBNR frags for anyone who is wondering. This guy knows what he's doing and he's got a vision for it. He has his hand in so many honeypots. Um, I think he's very, very passionate about growing his team. He's diversified his content. He's got like seven channels he's working on. He's got multiple- peripheral businesses to his content and i just think like if i could buy if i could get stock in someone he'd be from a creator perspective one of those people yeah no 100 i think he's someone who i always hear talk about expanding his business doing other stuff doing apps merch in-house expanding his team all that kind of thing i think um i think my my if i self-criticize a bit i think you're right i do love growing things and i do love the industry of youtube as a whole i think uh if i were an investor in myself which i guess i am so really uh (laughs) i i probably should be doing this but i always think about this and for some reason i never do i really should be doing more of the expanding on like production team side like realistically my team is two editors and a part-time thumbnail maker um and realistically if i were like you know, an investor myself, I'd be like, you need a production person. You need someone who's ideating content for you and, and like coordinating the editors with the thumbnail makers and basically expanding a lot more on that side, which I think is what Mr. Beast and Preston do. Obviously, like I choose to put more of that uh, business energy into like stuff like Click because I personally find that more fun. But yeah, I, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting though. You're right. There's, there's people who I think have, um, you know, they have the X factor in content. And then there's some people who have the, you know, like the more business focus and drive. And I think the people that, um, you know, I, I would absolutely be wanting to like go and invest in are the people who have that point in the middle. And I think there's people who have the drive and the business sense who don't actually make the best content. And there's a few people I can probably think of, 
Um, but because they have that business sense and that drive and they really look at the analytics and they work so hard on their thumbnails and their titles and all of that, that they're able to actually do really well on YouTube because they play off that strength so hard. Then there's people mm -hmm. who have the X factor on content um, but I don't really know if they do the the business area nearly as well. Um, I want to say David Dobrik. I think actually, though, I'm sure there's a lot of business elements behind the scenes that we just don't see. But um, but yeah, I would so say so few people have it though. I no. I would I would go on the record and say like I think very few people actually have the level of X factor that we're talking about. Where I would buy stock in them over the next twenty years. Yeah. I think it's super rare. You see the end product of some really, really talented creators, but I don't think there are that many people I've met in the industry that I'm like, wow, yeah, like you have the ability to actually transform this into something that's going to happen over the next 20 years. Yeah, I'm also really, really interested in the people more behind the scenes, probably because that's like more my job, but I think there are a couple of very, very talented, like talent managers or people that are assisting in the creator space, like building teams. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I always sometimes think about like that saying that the coach will last longer than the player. And I was reading this actually about some talent managers in the music space and people that are really investing in those talent managers um, one of them being Dre London, who's Post Malone's manager, who I actually met a few years ago really briefly. But basically people saying that they're invested in him because if you invest in a great coach, you'll then they'll find great players for you. Yeah. And I think that's just a really interesting sentiment as well. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I feel like that's a good place to leave it for today. I like um, this episode. It was very, it was very quick fire. I think there was yeah. um, there was a lot of interesting stuff to cover. That I think I think it was all just um, all just the like I think the Doctor Disrespect stuff is so interesting. I'm so oh I need to know, man. I need to know need what to happens. Know. I can't deal with this. I'm just not good with it. Um, but My yeah. patience is running very low. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be super interesting to see what happens with all the Doctor Disrespect stuff over the next few weeks. Make sure you stay in tune to the podcast because you know we are always looking for a new excuse to talk about any kind of drama and especially if it relates to dr disrespect and especially even more so if it relates to mysterious twitch bands that no one knows the cause for <laughs> yeah but all uh, right yeah we will see you guys next week bye-bye bye-bye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.